0: You're listening to Station F, the podcast, from the world's
1: largest startup campus in Paris. This is Station F, the podcast, and I'm your host, Roxanne Varza. Well, at least usually I'm your host. For the next couple of episodes, I'm excited to hand over the podcast to Cindy Yang. Cindy is part of our BizDev team at Station F and has actually been running the podcast behind the scenes from day one. Hey, Cindy. Hey, Roxanne. Thank you so much for the introduction. And hi to our dear listeners. I'm Cindy. I'm the producer of the Station F podcast, usually behind the scenes, but I'll also be your host for the summer. This week, in celebration of restaurants and terraces opening up around the world, we've invited a very special guest to join us. We'll be catching up with Victor Luger, the co-founder and CEO of Big Mama Group, and more recently, Sunday App. For our Parisian listeners, Victor's work certainly needs no introduction. He's behind some of the most popular Italian restaurants in Paris, including La Félicita at Station F, and... He's also raised the largest seed round in Europe this year for his new fintech company, Sunday App. So this episode will be killing two birds with one stone. We'll find out what it means to have raised one of the biggest seed rounds in Europe ever and learn about how Big Mama Without Fail keeps launching restaurants that people cannot stop raving about. Let's dive in. Hi, Victor.
0: Hello, Cindy. Very glad to be here. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, first off, I just want to congratulate you for the 20 million euro round that you just raised. It's one of, if not the biggest seed round in Europe. So that's huge. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure there is much to say but this. It's, it's definitely not how much money you raise. It's more how <laughs> how strong and how reliable the business you build with it is. But uh, but it's a good start.
1: I think everyone is really excited, actually, to hear about the fundraising and the new company that you're building, uh, Sunday App. But just to take a little step back, for our listeners that are not Parisians or haven't been uh, to one of your restaurants yet, can you just tell us a little bit about Big Mama Group?
0: Actually, we started Big Mama Group with Tigran, my partner, uh, a little over seven years ago. And yes, we had absolutely no clue what what it was like or what it meant being a restaurateur for like six or seven months, we, we, we tried to find uh, the, this big idea in tech, because every, of course everyone wants to, to, to make a company in tech. And then we couldn't just find something that we were passionate and excited about. And before we actually met Tigran and I, Tigran wanted to launch this chain of crepe restaurants. And so after yeah, seven months of looking in all directions, uh, we said, okay, you know what? Let's do this crepe restaurant stuff. And this is how we started. And after one month being full-time on the project, he and I realized that we were actually not that excited about crepe, uh, that doing a chain was definitely not our stuff, and that it was actually not a good business either. So for these three reasons, we said, okay, let's, let's drop this idea, which was what we've discovered is that sourcing amazing product direct from the producers and being restaurateur, namely working in hospitality, was something we were definitely passionate about. And this is how we started Big Mama. And we said, now we're going to do Italian restaurants because we love Italy, because for many reasons, him and I, we have a background with Italy. We speak Italian and we love the country. Um, And we felt we were just passionate. And I must say seven years later, we are all the more passionate. And it feels like it's just the beginning of the adventure of trying to share um, an Italian moment or some hints at the Italian culture and traditions to all our guests. In, in Paris, in London, in Madrid, uh, or in Lille, Lyon, Bordeaux, Marseille.
1: You're running a very successful restaurant group, but you don't actually come from a restaurateur background.
0: Um, so, yeah, in a nutshell, we ended up being restaurateurs because just we were passionate about it. And, well, if I'm trying to really be no bullshit about it, because we had no better idea. and And then we said, if we don't have a better idea, let's at least do something that sounds fun and when we post rationalize it seven years later there is a very strong culture in big Mama of what we call doing things by passion what does that the other day i received a link about an article that says do not ever start by passion this is stupid and of course everyone has heard the the, the, the the sentence that says oh do not open a bar with your friend it's the worst idea you can ever have i I happen, we happen with Tigran to disagree. The reason for that is success comes 99% out of really hard work, in my opinion, if you ask me. And the only way I believe, the only way at least I can, or Tigran can deliver sustainable, repetitive, really hard work over years, is to do something we're passionate about. This is why we try to do stuff by passion. And I could give you hundreds of examples of when we've taken irrational decisions in the course of the last seven years that were driven by passion and that actually really paid off.
1: Right. Of course. Um, I think hard work is definitely something that we can't can't discredit at all, but there's a lot of restaurateurs out there, a lot that work really hard. Um, But what do you think makes you particularly successful?
0: here again on the on the on mostly tech podcast i i feel like i'm going to be very disappointing because there seems like in our model and of course with post-rationalized success because when we opened our first restaurant we're like oh it's ever going to work and then there was a huge queue and we had all these clients and we said wow it's working and we don't even know why and when we when we wanted to open our second restaurant we started to think okay why is it working because if we understand why it's working then maybe we, tr- we can try to reproduce then we can try to enhance and even over outperform it and i'm afraid the four things that make it work are absolutely not innovation it's i think we are doing the job of restaurants in the most traditional way which is the four, four pillars of restaurantering cheap food good food served with a smile in a very nice environment and if every lunch and dinner you start again thinking that you're just as good as the last meal you served. And you start again thinking, how can my food be really good? How can it be really cheap? How can I put a smile on everyone's face in my team? And how do we make sure that each and every restaurant, day in, day out, the day of its opening and seven years after that, is really good looking? And I, we believe if you do that, whatever the kind of cuisine you're serving, you're gonna have a packed restaurant. And actually we could open four restaurants next to each other in the same street. If they deliver this, there'll be four. But the very second that one of these four pillars is missing, then you're not like 90% full, then you're 50% full. And if a second pillar is missing, then you're bankrupt.
1: <laughs> yeah, completely. I think you've summarized it really well. Um, I do think that the Big Mama experience, I mean, for anyone who has been to one of your restaurants, uh, it's super, super apparent. These are beautiful restaurants. Um, the food is very good quality. The price quality ratio is amazing. The staff is really heartwarming. And I remember when I first went to one of your restaurants, it was Popolare, I think. I was just surprised by how many Italians were actually working in the restaurant. I think the whole staff is Italian. And I asked my friend, how did they manage to find so many Italians in Paris? Um, and so a question that I actually have is when you have such a huge volume and you're serving so many clients, yet you're able to keep up with such good quality and always uh, such good ambiance. Everyone that goes to La Felicita always has a really good time. Everyone that goes to one of your other restaurants will always have a very good time. Behind the scenes, I think logistically speaking, there's there must be a huge challenge there. And so I wanted to ask you, like, how do you keep up with that supply chain, um, that quality control and even the staff uh, culture that you have?
0: Yeah, it's a very good question. Thank you. You know, many people say, oh, you've grown so fast at Big Mama. Actually, I happen to disagree. Restaurant groups or chain that grow really fast, they open 20, 40, 50, 100 restaurants a year. We, have on average, opened two restaurants a year in the last year. And the reason for that is, how do we answer all these questions that you've asked is through total delegation to the team how do we empower each and every teammate with us it's their restaurant it's their process it's their quality control it's their smile on their face and of course if Tigran and I we have to be behind every guy cooking pasta behind every girl cooking pizza because etc then of course it's not working so what we've always done is, yes, we have a, a, an interesting recruitment policy, which is we only recruit people who speak Italian, because the, 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 the language of the company is Italian, most of the staff is Italian, even if we have 37 nationalities. And, and because it's Italian, we end up with having in the UK, in Spain, in France, so many people who are Italian or who love Italy. They have this culture of service these people they love to serve so we don't have to teach them to enjoy their work that's the first thing the second thing is we have a lot of expats in the company which is a very strong bias that a girl or a boy 22 24 years old is an expat he's someone who is seeking adventure and and who is full of energy the third thing is we empower young people and in this respect we are so grateful we work in the host- in the hospitality sector because let's look at it. We have a tech company now on the side. A tech company is complicated. You can't recruit any guy who is 18 and tell him, okay, code me that payment app. It takes a lot of experience. On the contrary, in hospitality, you can recruit anyone who's 18 or 19 and who and has a lot of goodwill and energy, and he can start working in a restaurant. And because you can do that, what we've witnessed is that we can empower very young people with actually quite a lot of responsibility. The average age of our managers and chefs is 21 years old, and they're running a team of 50 to 250 people, p from five to 25 million. Most of them don't even have a, um, a degree in anything. What that means is that what we try and grow as, we, as we're scaling the company is we try and grow passion and you can't do that exponentially, which is actually one of the limits of the Big Mama model. We can't grow exponentially. We can grow linearly. So let me give you an example. Now in the UK, we have two restaurants, and we're opening another two restaurants this year. It's fine. We can have 100% growth because we have enough good members in the team of the existing two restaurants to open two other restaurants. Same in France. Same in Spain, but in the UK where I have two restaurants, I couldn't be opening five or six restaurants this year. That wouldn't work. It's actually one of the beauties, maybe also one of the limits of hospitality. But to finish on a positive note, I think the human brain really underestimates what it means to just double every year. If you just double every year, in one, two, three years, that's not much, but in 10 years, it's huge.
1: And how do you cultivate that passion for the team? You
0: you can teach someone how to cook a pasta. You can teach someone how to carry a tray with a coffee on it. You cannot teach someone passion and excitement about being in the hospitality sector. So the way we recruit is we recruit extra young, passionate, hardworking people. You can't find like the... How do you say that in English? In French, you would say the the, the sheep with five legs. That doesn't exist. So if we have to make a choice, and we always have to make a choice, then we go for the younger girls and guys, more passionate, more excited. And then we teach them the technicalities of hospitality, because technicalities of hospitality are not that complicated, we're lucky. So that's the first thing on recruitment. The second thing is, how do we cultivate the corporate culture there are so many technical, small answers to that. The first answer to that is my partner Tigran. From the very first day of this company, I have always heard him say, the only thing that's going to make me proud is if in 10 years' time we have the strongest, coolest corporate culture in the world in this company. It's, it's, up, it's in the DNA of this company because it's my partner's number one objective as an entrepreneur. And everything he can give to it, he does. So I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, we're, we're, just, we're just applying rules that we've read in management books. Tigran, he, he has it in his gut. It's his number one priority. And day in, day out, he relentlessly works on corporate culture and on management culture. So that's the first general answer. You I don't think you can invent it. If I hadn't been with Tigran, it would not be a tenth as good in terms of corporate culture. He's the, and, and he's a people guy. He wakes up in the morning and what's important to him is grow people before, before anything else. I have heard him say on TV to a journalist, oh, quote, I don't give a shit about my customers. I care for my staff, end of quote. Well, the first time he said that on TV, he was like, well, that's a little bullish, mate. But actually, it's so right. Because if we take care of everyone in the team, they take care of the customers. So that's that's the first answer, which is a little vague. It's kind of a vague answer, but it's still, it's very true. Um, then then on the whole, on, on so many tips we have, we over promote. So namely, if you if you promote a job, someone who has the experience and the skill set to deliver that job, well then that person, what is that person going to learn in that job? If they have the skill set and you ha- if they have the experience, they're not going to learn anything. If they don't learn anything, how do you want to make them passionate about their job? So, okay. practically, we always overpromote. If you don't overpromote, then you're micromanaging. So, we, there, there is a strong culture of internal promotion and overpromotion. Um, I would say that's the number one rule so that everyone is passionate. Yeah. Um, because, again, we were speaking at the very beginning of the podcast about doing sales by passion. It's so much easier to empower someone with a problem, tell him you want it, make that person passionate, and then rely on their own intelligence to solve the problem, rather than just explain to them how to solve the problem. So actually, I don't try to explain everything to everyone. I just try to make sure everyone's passionate.
1: Yeah, no, that's definitely a really good point to make, um, and also because you mentioned Tigran multiple times, and this is actually one of the questions that I had for you. So, how did you meet each other? Um, did you intend on starting a company together based on friendship, or was it a complementarity basis? You saw that you each had uh, qualities that complemented each other.
0: From earlier experience, as Running an incubator or failing at launching startup by myself. I realized that if I were to ever, uh, ever launch a business, I wanted to have a, a a partner because it's so hard to be an entrepreneur. Having a partner, sharing joys, sharing pains, sharing difficulties, sharing challenges, and sharing overcoming them actually is fifty percent of the pleasure we, we're taking from that. So I said, okay, we want to. Par- I want a partner in this and. For me, a partner is 50-50. If it's not 50-50, it's not a partner. It's a, it's, a, it's a salary person with incentives. So I thought, okay, let's find a partner, and if it's 50-50, then we better have the idea together because if you come to someone, you already have your idea, and you say, let's do something 50-50, well, it's fifty-fifty, 50 but it's on your idea, so it's not exactly 50-50. So now, how, do, how did we met? We went together to business school, but we were not close in business school, to be honest. We had many friends in common, but that's it. Yet when six or seven years later, we met again because we were working in the same group, which is the group of Stefan Corby in very different positions. Um, when we met again, because we had this many friends in common, we very, re- we very quickly realized that we had so many values in common and yet we were very different in terms of personality, skills, and experience. And I think this is one of the success of our partnership, which is that seven years down the line, we still have values in common, which is how do we react to success, failure, work-life balance, uh, on how do we rely and how do we react to all the challenges of today's um, work environment, which is hyper-growth, empowering women, empowering diversity, Uh, how do we react to when everything goes well, and how do we react when there is COVID, and and we're facing huge fears and challenges. Because we have similar value and and the same value set, we are always very aligned on how to behave. And yet, because we're very different in terms of personality, we have very complementary ideas, and we keep challenging one another in a way which, at the end, I think, brings more richness than conflict. I would say this is the bottom line of why we are having so much fun doing stuff together, and why, now that we're launching Sunday, 5050 Tigran and I, and we're actually very excited because when we launched Sunday, we've onboarded a third partner, which is Christine Devandel, who is Christine Devandel, which is a very good friend for a long time. So again, we know that we have the same set of values. We know that we pursue the same objective, which is not only creating business or financial success, but it's actually to build organizations where we grow people, and where we have a very positive impact on all stakeholders. And yet, Christine has again a very different personality and skills than or I, which is why we're so excited that we're now three in the partnership at Sunday.
1: Yeah, and actually, I think I saw the early days of Sunday. So we did see some QR codes laying around the tables at La Felicità. (laughs) <laughs> and so, Sunday is a spin-out from Big Mama Group um, that happened during COVID. Can you tell us a bit more about how it happened, how the idea even came to you, um, and what's what's down the line, really?
0: Yes, with pleasure. So, the idea of Sunday was, at the beginning, a very small idea. Um, we're not Elon Musk. We didn't wake up one morning and say, okay, let's go on Mars." We woke up one morning and said, Oh, let's put a stupid QR code on the table of our restaurant and see if people are excited to pace through that because it just seems like a nice, small, neat little feature. Then we did it uh, in an MVP way. So there were many bugs. It was really not perfect. It was actually very quick and dirty. We did it. And we were amazed by how much it created value, both from, for customers who adored it, and for us as restaurateurs, because the figures were so good, because tables were turning faster, we were having a 12% higher average basket, because we were getting 40% to 100% more tips. And all of these figures actually really blew our minds. I mean, we have one ID a day for the last seven years, and sometimes we do them, and out of the IDs that we do, Like 99% of them, we end up forgetting them because actually when we test them, they are not that good. And this idea, when we tested it, it was like a real surprise that it was way bigger than we expected. And then when we started talking about it to other fellow restaurateurs, everyone was excited about it. And then when we started talking about it to tech people and fintech people and investors, everyone was excited about it. And then we say, "Wow, it's, it's crazy!" Because since we've had this idea two months ago, every time we've done something or talked about it, it was yes, it was go, it was bigger. And, and actually, what started as a very, very small idea, after X, Y, Z beta test, after X, Y, Z conversation with researchers, with investors, with 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 the staff, etc., it was growing bigger and bigger to the extent where at some point it really became this big idea on how you can save 50 minutes, 15 minutes to several hundred millions of people every day
1: Amazing. and if
0: we can do that and if we can build a platform that enables that it's building paypal for brick and mortar it's it's it's, it's actually a very big idea and we could actually down the line happen to maybe be able to make payments free for all small retailers and save 15 minutes to, so, to hundreds of millions of people. But all of that started with a very small idea. And here I wanna emphasize that you very rarely start a big business with a big idea. Usually you start a big business with a very small idea and you just grow, grow, grow over time. Again, when we started Big Mama, it was just the idea of making an Italian fattoria, which is, it's not a stupid idea, but it's really not an innovative idea and it's not uh, a recipe for success. It just, it just keeps building into something bigger.
1: Amazing. It actually reminds me a little bit of the story of Slack, uh, how it was initially built as an application for internal use and then became a huge multi-billion dollar business. So back to Sunday, how does the application actually work? Do people order directly on the app?
0: Practically today, Sunday is the fastest way to pay in restaurants in the world. You're in restaurants, you have a very normal experience and you're very lucky you're having that because it's we're all fed up with COVID then we're just happy to go back to restaurants and speak with waiters and get us ex- explained how the menu works and where the products come from, etc. And I can tell you chefs around the world, they have had a whole full year thinking about the new thing they're going to cook. So there is a lot to say about the menus. Then you have a great time with your loved ones, And in the end, instead of raising your hand, waiting five minutes to get the build and waiting another five minutes to get the credit card machine and then split the bill and then ask to receive all of that you scan the QR code on the table the next thing you see on your phone is your bill you don't download anything or register or whatever you click on pay if apple pay you double click you're done it took literally five seconds you stand you go okay. so what happens is if you're in a hurry you're gone 15 minutes faster if you're not in a hurry you can use all these 15 minutes where you would have been waiting for the bill and being annoyed that it's not coming just to enjoy your time with your friends or maybe to get another coffee or maybe to get that dessert that you wanted to take but you didn't have time because, you know, you have this 2 p.m. sharp meeting and you still need to pay so you don't have time for dessert. I mean, we've all been through that.
1: Yeah, it just definitely sounds like it betters the restaurant experience so much and it sounds like it's saving waiters a lot of time and I completely understand the frustration sometimes of waiting for a bill, especially when the restaurant is really busy. Um, But wanting needing to go sometimes even because you have a perhaps a meeting after or a deadline that you need to make. Right. Um, Okay, so this type of technology is actually not a new uh, type of technology. It it, it existed before. Um, It's quite popular in Asia, actually. So I wanted to understand what's the value add that Sunday seeks to bring? And also, what will you do differently to make sure that the system thrives here in Europe?
0: I think it's a very good thing that it we're just assembling pieces of technology that already exist. QR code has been existing for 30 years and we've all been paying on our phones for for 10 to 15 years. So we're just assembling API connection technologies, QR codes, and payments on, on, on phones. And, and tomorrow it's not going to be even QR code again, it's going to be another technology. How can we make eventually payments free and payments in brick and mortar as seamless as online. That's the goal we're pursuing, and and yes, in Asia or in some of in some countries in Africa, they are doing that already because they never went through the step of credit card. They went directly from no one has a credit card to everyone is paying through their phones. Here in Europe or in the US, we have a very different history. And what we're doing is practically we're trying to replace the credit card machine, which is a very old piece of technology that is one, very expensive and two, absolutely useless.
1: That's a super interesting insight actually. So on a similar note, what are some of the innovations that you're most excited about in the restaurant space?
0: It's a very good question. I'm afraid I'm going to have to say Sunday because- it's
1: Apart from Sunday. A, <laughs> no. I, don't
0: think restaurants, I don't think restaurants is a space where you absolutely strive for innovation. You have innovation in the design of the restaurant. You have innovation, of course, in the plate. You have innovation in how, how you cook stuff. This yeah. is where I want my restaurants to innovate. This is where I want to be surprised. But practically, restaurants is about welcoming people, hosting them and giving them a good time. It's a, it's a comforting moment. I'm not sure it's a moment where you always want to be in innovation. And I think being able to just pay faster, we're not adding technology in the restaurant space. We're just replacing an old technology with a very efficient, seamless and cheaper one.
1: Yeah, there's also a lot of things happening in the f- uh, food waste management um, space, so apps like Too Good To Go that have started, or uh, recycling or upcycling certain things. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on on some of these technologies also.
0: I think you're making a very good point. Um, Being Mama, we, we were and we still are the first B Corp group uh, in hospitality in Europe, which is three years ago where everyone thought we were crazy now it sounds like it's totally logical um i think all all this on one side tech business and just this business in general which allow us to have less waste recycle more in packaging or washing means that enable us to have always the lowest impact on environment from my perspective it's very satisfactory because as a restaurateur I understand we're doing something necessary, which is we are feeding people. But I think it's also an industry that has a huge potential for impacting negatively on the environment, mostly because we are serving meat and fish, but also because we are using all this water and because the carbon impact of everything we're doing is so complicated. Um, For instance, all these innovations who help us track our carbon footprint, is amazingly important to us and has been very useful for us to become a B Corp and to increase our our grade across the years.
1: Amazing work. I just want to say, go Big Mama, go B Corp. Um, Back to the question of innovation now. I completely understand when you say that hospitality is an age-old business and that there are some basics that you cannot innovate. But I do think that you guys have done a really great job at scaling and quality control. So what do you do differently in that respect?
0: It's a very good question. Actually, when you asked me about innovation, I thought I wish there would be this amazing innovation on on logistics. And you know it's funny? Because I remember back in the days when I was in business school, so I'm talking 15 years ago, and I remember the CEO of LVMH would come to my business school and would make this big speech, and then someone would tell him, oh, and what should I study if I want to enter LVMH? And he said, oh, logistics. I need people in logistics. (laughs) And at the time, I was like, i mean i remember it so it was shocking enough for me to remember and 15 years down the line when you talk to me about innovation in hospital like oh talk to me about logistics because yes i think one of the places where we've innovated because in-house we have developed our logistical backbone between france and italy that allow us to supply from over 200 small artisanal suppliers in italy the good thing when you're buying direct to so many small suppliers is that the food that you're buying is way better and you buy it cheaper. But then you have to transport it from everywhere in Italy to France, to the UK, to Spain. And yes, innovation in logistics, I'm not sure we have innovated, but we have recreated our own logistics supply. And and this was one, I think, one of the key drivers of success for Big Mama. From an entrepreneurial perspective, it's one of the reasons why when we started Big Mama, we at the very beginning, we raised quite a lot of money, and we opened directly two big restaurants, because if we had opened just one little restaurant, we could never have justified the costs and implications on logistics with just one small restaurant. And when we opened two big restaurants, then it was justifying the fact that there would be trucks every day during the week, bringing... Tomatoes, bringing mozzarella, bringing burrata, etc.
1: Amazing! Go big or go home.
0: <laughs> it's actually something we had written in in, in the sauce pants at the very beginning of Big Mama. Uh, now I'm not sure. Maybe it sounds a little stupid, but yes, it was the mentality we had at the very beginning, which is there is nothing, there is no ambition too big for us not to pursue. And one of the other big ambitions we had, and was was Tigran's point. One day, I remember before we opened our first restaurant, he said. I mean, we, it would be great if everyone in the staff would speak Italian or be Italian, and like, yes, you're right, but that sounds really like it's too big. It's, it's, it's too complicated. And he says, well, that's maybe a good reason to do it, because if we don't do anything that others think is too complicated, then how are we gonna differentiate from others? And since that very day, and then what he did is he managed to to recruit all these people speaking Italian or being Italian and, and it's one of these amazing achievements in the company and since that very day every time we have an idea and it sounds a little too big or too complicated we we have a particular objective which is to realize that because if we focus on stuff that looks too complicated then maybe we're going to create additional value and in a in a sector in an industry that is so traditional like hospitality and so old and so traditional if you keep doing what everyone has been doing for the last three hundred years, well, how is how are you going to stand out?
1: Yeah, for sure. All right, I just have two last questions of you because I know we're almost at the end of our time. Um, the first one is: so terraces are opening this week in Paris. Um, which Big Mama restaurant are you most excited to go back to?
0: I'll be frank. I'm gonna. Go, it's about going to the terrace of La Felicita. It's, it's a thousand square meter, and actually, we're launching this week a pop up of a new burger that we've that we've done during the we were we were serving burger already at La Pelechita, but during COVID we thought, okay, let's take some time and when we reopen, we launch this new this new well, this new pop up, which is called Top Bun, and it's a one hundred percent organic burger for the price of a burger at McDonald's. Amazing. And it's it's a challenge we're having saying if each and every of sixty million of people in France can have pretty soon eaten once in his life burger is just as cheap as an industrial one but that is organic well this is a good challenge for us so these days are the first days of top bun in la felicità and this is one of the things we're very excited about and this is also i mean uh, a, a mindset we try to cultivate which is we started uh just supporting great products to small producers then we became b corp then now we're doing organic um, and, and it feels to us and to the team like every day we're trying to, to, to be a better version of ourselves. And back to the question on how do we scale passion across the team? I think this is one of the things that really helps.
1: That's a really inspiring note to end on. Victor, thank you so much for your time today. And I wish you so much success for all of your projects.
0: Thank you very much, Cindy. It was, I mean, I'm so grateful you, t- you took the time to have us on the podcast. Thank you very much.
1: All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Station F podcast. If you liked this episode, make sure to give us many, many stars. And if you'd like to suggest a topic or a guest, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on Twitter or at Cindy at stationf.co. We're available on all your usual podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and Deezer. So make sure to follow us to not miss any of our upcoming episodes. See you soon.